0: don't move that. This is the series that we're, and we've been talking about really a a topic that I think is, is pretty special. You know, most of the time, and this isn't to put down, I mean, we've done it in the past at this church, this isn't to put down what other churches do or what we've done in the past, but most of the time when you come into the new year, you talk about new things, right? Especially in 2020, I mean, there's low-hanging fruit there. 2020 vision, right? It's, I I mean, you know, I was telling other pastors back in 2019. I'm like, you know, let's just let's start taking bets now. Like, how many churches are going to do like a 2020 vision series? Like, I mean, it's low-hanging fruit. It's there, so grab it. Um, You know, and and what we've decided to do at this church, what Pastor Christoph felt led to do, and which I I think is is really resonating with my own heart, is instead of talking about the new things that can make us feel new or can give us the impression of new, talking about the old things that when we exercise them, they really do make us new. And that's the series that we're in. We've talked about the word. We've talked about worship. We've talked about confession. And today I want to talk with you all about prayer. But before I do that, I I also just wanted to share this morning, I feel led to remind some people here today not just of what we've explicitly preached about, which is a return to the word and a return to worship and a return to confession, but I want to remind those of us who are married here in this place to return to your marriage. I believe that's a word for some people here today and that you're here today to hear that, that God wants you to return to your marriage. That your marriage may have become dry, it may have become lifeless, but you don't reintroduce softness and vitality to something by ignoring it. And I believe that you're here today to hear that, that God wants you to return to your marriage. You know, like a loaf of bread, some of these marriages, you know, left out on the counter, unattended to, it was once soft, it was once nourishing, and it's just become old, hard, and crusty, not something that you want as part of your life but you need to return to that and if you've got questions you've got confessions you've got whatever that just respond to that in your spirit come find one of us after there's not judgment here there's not condemnation there's hope here today and so we just i just wanted to share that with you all i want to encourage you not to remove prayer from your life today can we get those scriptures up on the screen benjamin we all love benjamin i just want to say you know i went to benjamin like three minutes before the gathering today. I was like, hey, can you throw this slide and this slide and this slide? And he's like, yeah, man, I got you, we're, we're good. So uh, if it's a mistake, it's on him. Uh, Proverbs 22, tw- <laughs> uh, Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Matthew five seventeen through 20, do not think, this is Jesus speaking, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And Pastor Christoph reminded us last week that that term least is not referring to a stature or a hierarchy, but it's it's referring to the amount of your fruitfulness. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven, great in their fruitfulness. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for your word and for this time. Together we ask that you'd shape us and mold our hearts to look more like you and to uh, adhere more closely to the way of Jesus. In his name we pray. And all the church said... Amen. Amen. Anybody hate those stories or those movies where you kind of know the end already at the beginning because they introduced no intricacies, no journey through the plot line. It was just like like the movie opened up and you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. My wife, she does this all the time. And it's not even because it's, it's not because the plot is apparent. The plot is not apparent, but she just knows, like I think she missed her calling as a Hollywood scriptwriter because the movie will open up and in the first 10 minutes, she'll be like, Oh, I know who the bad guy is. I know who the bad guy is. It's that like really good looking doctor that like everybody thinks is awesome. And like, you know, takes care of people and gives money to the poor. And I'm like, but he takes care of people and gives money to the poor. And she's like, he's the bad guy. And sure enough, He's the bad guy. You know, we, I don't know about you, but I, I hate those movies where I know already I want some suspense. So I'm really sorry to tell you today that this sermon, I'm going to tell you what it's about right, at, right away at the beginning. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to let you know, and, and what I'm going to let you know is that I'm not an expert on prayer. I'm not an expert on prayer. And I'm also going to let you know that you're not either. And those who think they are, are the biggest rookies of all. And so I do want to just open with that. You can all get up, pack up your Bibles, and go home. We're done. (laughs) Lesson learned. You know, one thing I've learned is that prayer is mainly about seeking God and God shaping us. And I want to talk about that today. I I want to talk today about how so many of us, when it comes to prayer, we have our primary and our secondary purposes mixed up. And this is really important, and that, that might not sound that important, but it's very important, and I want to tell you why. You know, and, and we see this across other aspects of life. If you view food primarily as a way to enjoy life, and secondarily as energy for your body, things are going to get screwy. They are. Things are going to get screwy on you because your main attack, your main approach to all food is just going to be, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy, and oh yeah, I happen to have energy here as a byproduct. But that's not how food was designed. That's a swap of the primary and the secondary. Absolutely, we should enjoy food. I'm having some pigs in a blanket watching the 49ers beat the Chiefs tonight. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I said it. I'm a Patriots fan, and we used to have Jimmy G, and he's gone, so I'm just cheering for him. Tom Brady's coming back. (laughs) I'm having some pigs in a blanket tonight. But I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy food. We should absolutely enjoy food. That's great. But what I am saying is that primarily the purpose of food is energy for our bodies. And when we view it primarily as that and secondarily as a way to enjoy life, you know, your framework is a little more aligned and you have potential to live a healthier life and long-term to have a healthy existence. When we view a marriage primarily as a way to be physically intimate with someone and secondarily as a relationship in which you serve someone else, things can get screwy. But if you view it primarily as a way to serve someone else through committed relationship, and secondarily, as a way to be intimate with someone, things can go well for you, and things can go well for your marriage, because your wife or your husband will desire that intimacy with you because the overture of the marriage is servanthood, and they want to be close to somebody that's serving them. See, the problem most of us have is we view prayer primarily as a way to get things from God and to have our needs met, and secondarily, as a way to know him and be shaped by him. But I'm here to tell you today, this is backwards, and it can screw up your life and screw up your faith journey. The primary purpose of prayer, and if you're taking notes, you should write this down because this is the punchline. I told you, i give it to you at the beginning. The primary, of purpose, the primary purpose of prayer is to know someone, not to get something. The primary purpose of prayer is to know someone, not to get something. And just like with the food analogy, I'm not saying that one of the purposes and one of the things God does through prayer is to provide some things for us. I'm not saying it's not at all about that. I'm saying that's secondary. It's not primary. It's secondary. You know, we have three children, 13, 11, and 7. Love my kids love him more than anything, and that's why I drive hours and hours to watch Asher play soccer (laughs) because I love him, and my family loves him, and so we go, and he plays travel soccer in the area, and we go and support him and watch his games, and I'm usually bringing my younger two kids, Eden and Levi, along to his games, and they're playing on the sideline. If we're lucky, there might be a playground at the sports complex. They'll have something to do. And this last fall, we were going up to the Richmond area, Midlothian area, and we went to this sports complex, and we had just recently purchased a slingshot for Levi, our youngest son, seven years old. We just recently purchased a slingshot for him. Angie and I went out on vacation in Lake Tahoe, and I bought this slingshot for him at a gift shop out there, brought it back. And he loves this thing, and it's actually sturdy. If you ever bought a cheap slingshot as a parent, like that's just a bad recipe, like someone's gonna get hit in the eye or something. But this one's sturdy, it's nice. So I gave it to him, and he was excited about it. So we go up to this game, and we got to be there half an hour early for warm-ups. And so we're just sort of sitting around doing nothing for half an hour. And so I see across the field, I see this pond surrounded by this fence. And so I'm like, hey, Levi, let's, let's, let's go over to the pond, see if we can find some rocks, and we'll, we'll shoot some rocks in the pond. And so what do you do when you see a fence? Just what I would do when I see any other fence. I climb it, you know. So we go over there, and I'm teaching my son good things. You see a fence, you climb it. And so we go over to this pond, we climb the fence, hop over it. There's some rocks there on the shore of the pond. And so we're out there for 20, 25 minutes, you know, shooting rocks, trying to get them across the pond and seeing what we can do. And we're having a blast, having a good time. Asher's warming up for his game. And so I, I look at the clock and I realize, we gotta get back, they're about to start the game. So we go back and we're climbing the fence to get back. And this whole time, Levi's had, had a loose tooth. And I'm not talking one of those like, oh, you can kind of grab it and like really push it and it's like you can kind of feel it's loose and wiggly. I'm talking one of those teeth that should have come off like a week ago in an apple. Like one of those teeth, like, like barely hanging on. And, you know, I, I grew up with a Midwestern mom and so like teeth never got that far in my house growing up. <laughs> You know, Like we would have a loose tooth and the moment my mom knew a tooth was loose, she was like, you know, can I shake your head back and forth and I feel a little bit of wiggle there? Like she would grab, you know, the string, literally, you know, the thing you've like read in books, like string around the tooth and the doorknob and slam the door. I had that happen to me as a child. That's not a joke. It's not just fiction in a book that somebody made up. My mom did that to me at least two times, maybe three times. And I kind of thought it was cool. (laughs) I'm like laughing with my tooth, you know, like all hooked up. And then when she slammed the door, I didn't think it was cool anymore. (laughs) And you know or she would do this she would grab i don't know where she got this but she would get a wet washcloth and just like grab my tooth and start like twisting it out and grab it out and i'm sitting there like crying and my mom's like quit being such a baby pull the tooth out you know it wasn't 2020 where we're like oh you're hurt like it's okay i won't touch your tooth just wait and that's what we do to our kids. We're just like, oh, okay, like it'll just come out, you know, and, and it'll come out in, uh, and maybe it'll be fun. It'll come out and catch up in your hot dog, your pigs in a blanket, so it'll look like blood and we can like take a picture and post it on Instagram. You know, like we, ju- we just wait until it's barely hanging on. So his tooth was barely hanging on and we're climbing over this fence. I went over first and then he's coming up after me because he didn't want me to help him because he's like, no, dad, I got it. And so we go up and he's, he's putting his leg over the fence and then all of a sudden I hear him go, oh, oh. My tooth, my tooth fell out. And he's literally like straddled on top of this chain link fence and saying his tooth came out and he's got a little bit of blood in his mouth and I'm like, oh, okay buddy, where'd it go? He's like, down there, down there. And he points to the bottom of the fence and I'm like, you know, Jesus couldn't have given us like pavement or like flat dirt there. It was like 12 inch tall, like long grass down at the bottom of this fence. And so he's like, we gotta find it. So I start going through this grass, and the game's about to start, so I'm like, I don't have time for this. And so I'm thumbing through the grass, and he's starting to get upset because he knows if he doesn't have a tooth under his pillow, there's no exchange for the five cents he's gonna get from the tooth fairy. The tooth fairy's gotten more generous over the years, I hear, there's like $2 now. When I was a kid, it was like a quarter. And that doesn't match inflation. He's just gotten more generous. And so we're sitting there looking, not seeing anything. And so I have this, this thought, you know, lightning quick thoughts over a span of like 30 seconds. And I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? We should pray that God helps us find Levi's tooth. And I'm like, God cares about the little things and the big things. Like, let's pray that we find Levi's tooth down in this tall grass. And then I have this thought right after that. I'm like, but what if, what if he doesn't answer the prayer? And I'm like, well, you know, it'll be okay. Like this, is, this will be a faith building exercise for my son. He'll see that God cares about him. He found his tooth and then he'll love Jesus forever. And so, but then I have this wrestle back and forth. What if, what if we don't find the tooth? And then I've like put God out there. And now like my son is like, you know, thinking God doesn't care about him and God doesn't answer. This, this is the world I live in in my mind. I'm really sorry to bring you into it. I overanalyze everything. And so, I decide, you know what, I'm a man of faith, we're gonna pray. So I say, Levi, let's, let's, let's pray that God helps us find your tooth. And he's like, okay, okay, that sounds good. And so I start praying and I'm like, God, would you help us find Levi's tooth? We don't know where it is. I don't, I don't know where, where in this grass is, but we would really like to find it. And I hear Levi go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, God. <laughs> like what he hears at church and sometimes at home when I feel like praying at home out loud, he hears that. (laughs) I don't pray all the time. I'm not that spiritual. And so he, we look down, we start thumbing through the grass. A minute goes by, nothing. Two minutes goes by, nothing. The game's like really about to start now. And we did not find his tooth. To this day, we have never found his tooth. Didn't find it. And so we start walking back to the field and he's got his slingshot in one hand and he's holding my hand in his other hand, crying now about his tooth. And I had this thought and I said, God, why couldn't you have just let us find his tooth? What was so hard about that, that you couldn't just plant yourself in this moment in my son's emotional thing he's got going on, and just let him find his tooth. Like, like what, what good reason could you have had for not letting us find his tooth at that point? And so I'm, I'm thinking this as we're walking back to the field, and then I, I, I move on from there. I'm like, what bad reason could you have had, God? Give me any reason. It doesn't have to be a good reason. Just tell me why. Why couldn't we have just found his tooth? And I never got an answer to that. And so Levi goes and you know he sees one of the younger brothers, one of the other players, and they go and play together and go off. And I'm sitting there on the sideline watching the game. And I did what in that moment seemed almost counterintuitive. And instead of being turned off from prayer, for some reason I started praying more and just saying, God, I just pray that my son would make a connection to you whether his prayers are answered or not. Whether the things he's wanting in his life are answered or not and that you'd protect his heart you'd watch over his heart you care about him more than i do and as i was praying i was kind of i s- sort of surprised myself <laughs> i'm like because it, you know when we, when we view prayer as primarily a way to get what we want and as primarily a way to get the things that we're looking for when we don't get them we get turned off from prayer right come on, come on. when we don't get them we get turned off from prayer. I mean, I mean, think about it, if you've got two friends, and there's a Bible story that's kind of like what I'm about to share, but if you've got two friends and you go to one of them and you're like, hey man, like, I, I really need help. I could use, you're, you're without a car for a little while and you're like, I could use a ride and I, I really, uh, it would help if I could go over to this place or go over to this place and I'm not gonna have a car for a couple of weeks. And they're like, no, nah, I'm really sorry, I can't help you. And then the next day you say, hey, you know, I'd really like to go to this place, I don't have a car, is there any way you could drop me off or give me a ride? No, nah, I really can't help you. After the second, third, you might ask a third time, but after a while, when they're not getting you what you want, you're going to stop asking. I think many of us don't pray because we view prayer primarily as a way to get something, and when we're not getting that something, we just stop praying. We stop praying altogether. You know, a couple weeks after that incident at the pond, <laughs> Levi, you know, a little, we used to read the Bible to him a lot when he would go to bed when he was younger. Now he's able to read and so he reads his own he's got a book for or a bible for early beginning readers and so he reads that on his own in his bed at night but once in a while we'll still read the bible with him at night and he came downstairs a couple weeks later and he said dad we haven't read a bible story in a while can can we read something together and i had this thought in that moment i realized you know what like the tooth thing didn't phase my son because somehow somewhere he's gotten the impression or learned or taught that seeking Jesus is not just about getting what we want. I I don't know where exactly, I can't point to all the things. Hopefully some of that came from me and my wife. Hopefully some of that came from what they're teaching him in kid life. Hopefully some of that came from his grandparents who love Jesus and spend time with him. Hopefully it took a village to raise a child and a village is teaching him that message, hopefully. And he's getting that somewhere. But that just inspired me and I realized, you know what? I don't view prayer primarily as a way just to get things. And I think that's biblical because I view it as more than that. But the problem is that most of us view it primarily as a way, like I said, to get something rather than to know someone. I want to read what Jesus spoke to us about prayer. Benjamin, if we can get that slide up. very famous passage of scripture. Something I guess most of us, I would think, have read, have heard before. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. You can keep that slide up. I want to just break this down a little bit for us today and teach us what Jesus taught us about prayer and what prayer is really about. Because there are several things here that he discusses in terms of prayer, and really only one of them is about praying for our needs, And praying for what we want. The first thing he says is, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Guess what, church? You cannot come to God and relate to him correctly unless you recognize who he is. The first element of prayer is learning God. It's knowing who you're talking to. And who you're talking to, he is holy. He is set apart. He is different from us. And so before we ever even look at what are our needs when we're praying, Jesus says, you've first got to acknowledge who God is. The second thing, your kingdom come. And in another telling of this moment where Jesus is teaching them how to pray, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Before we're ever encouraged to pray for what we need, Jesus encourages us to lay down what we want. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, not my will, not what I want, not what I wanna see happen in this relationship or in this job or with my schooling or this, but your will, your kingdom come, setting aside what I want and being rewired so I know what he wants. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we're getting into praying for our needs. Praying for that which we need in our lives. Forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. This one's fascinating to me. Because Jesus is not just telling us to pray for forgiveness of our sins, but he's telling us to pray that God delivers us from our own hypocrisy. Forgive our debts because we always forgive those who are indebted to us. How many of you always forgive those who are indebted to you? My hand is down So Jesus is saying, hey, guess what prayer is about? Prayer isn't just about asking him to forgive your sins. It's about asking him to shape you and mold you out of your own hypocrisy. Keep us away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. He's talking about protection. Protection. And so church, I just want to tell you, you know, my own journey praying in my life what it looks like is probably different from you, probably different from every person in this room. It's, it's maybe unique, maybe unique for you. I don't get up every single morning and spend an hour interceding for nations and governments and people and lost souls. I, just, I don't, maybe I should, but I don't. But I do pray every day. I pray when I'm in my car. I pray when I'm putting my children to bed. I, yes, we pray over our meals, although that's a really simple time, a simple acknowledgement. I pray just as I'm at work throughout my day, thinking about a scripture, thinking about a thought, thinking about something I heard, and just asking God and saying, I don't get that, God. Can you, can you speak to me? Can you explain that to me? Can you help me with that? I'm frustrated right now. Can you, can you heal my soul of the pain and the bitterness and everything else that's inside of me? Things like that peppered throughout my day. I absolutely pray every day, and I don't say that as a way to say like that's a badge of honor. That's not a badge of honor. That's just a demonstration of my need because I've realized like, if I want to get where God's trying to take me, I need to engage that process on a regular basis. But I understand that prayer is primarily a way for me to know him, not just to get something from him. I have spent way more time in my life praying and asking God and saying, would you help me to know you? Would you help me to understand who you are? Would you, would you help me to, to be shaped into your image? Would you help to craft even my desires, even the things I'm wanting to pray for? Would you affect those? Would you shape those? Would you change those? Would you help me to know? Paul says, I pray that you would comprehend what is the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. God. You know, I I pray so often, I'll say, God, would you help me just to understand your love, to have a greater revelation of your love for me? And yes, we do, and we can, and we should pray for things that we need. And again, I want to reiterate, I don't mean to communicate today that we only pray to know him, and we never pray for things. We never pray for needs. We never pray for things to be. Jesus himself, I just went through it. He says, pray for your needs, but it's secondary But I do want to encourage you today that you serve a God who does answer prayer for your needs. You do serve a God who answers prayer for your needs. Benjamin, if you can put that first image slide up. So I didn't tell my wife I was going to do this. That's why I blurred this out. So sorry, babe. (laughs) Uh, My wife keeps prayer journals and she's got stacks of them in our house and closets, and every once in a while, she'll pull one out. And yesterday, we're sitting in our house, and Eden, our daughter, comes running in with this stack of journals, and she's like, Mom, I want to read these. <laughs> and we're like, babe, that's not like reading a mystery novel or something, you know? It's it like, it, why, don't you, why don't you let Mom look at them first? There's maybe some private stuff in there. And so we opened this up, and, and this was from eight years ago, in 2012, and, um, at the time, there was a book that had recently come out, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. And my wife was going through this exercise of you know, naming some people, some things in, in our lives, and then putting prayers all around them in this journal. And I want to show you, uh, eight years later, what God has answered. Can you move to that, that second slide with the highlighted part? All of those prayers have been answered and have come to pass. Can you go to that next slide, Benjamin? Then bring up the next one. All of those prayers have been answered that are highlighted. The other ones? Not yet. We're still praying for those. Can you go to that next slide? And then bring up the highlighted part of that. All of those prayers have been answered. Eight years old. And the ones on the right page are impossible for him to have answered yet because she was praying for Asher's future wife there, and we just don't know if they've (laughs) happened. (laughs) Our God does answer prayer. He does answer prayer. I don't know why that one on the left there and that little one down there on the the bottom right of the left and then on the previous one, that left page, I don't know why those haven't been answered yet. And I'm not going to sit up here and theorize or analyze. I don't know why. We've asked and it hasn't happened. But there's a whole lot that we've asked for that have happened and that he's done. And not just like little things. Some of those are really big things. You know, one of those things was was uh, praying for a, a financial thing in our lives, and what ended up happening was like more than double that. And there was, you know, things praying for, for people who had cancer and all this and prayers answered. And so I, I'm not talking about little tiny things, you know, like God, would you heal? Levi's gum cavity that was left from his tooth, although he cares about the little and the big things. That's gonna heal on its own. Our bodies are set up to do that. But God, can you do something for me I can't do for myself? And I believe his heart towards us is, he wants to answer those, and I can't tell you why they don't always, but I can tell you something that, when you view it primarily as a way to move towards him, to be shaped by him, and to know him, and not just to get the things that we need, When things don't come to pass, there is a safe and a stable context in which we can navigate that disappointment. Because we realize this relationship is not just about me getting something, but I know someone who cares about me. I don't understand why they didn't get me that thing yet, but I know he's good, and I know he loves me, and I know he's for me. And so I want to close with an exercise today, and I want to Ask anybody who has a need in this place. Anybody who has a need in this place. Actually, can I just all stand up, please? If you have what you would consider a, a, a serious need in your life, I don't care if somebody else would look at it as big or small. Danny, can I get you to come up? If you have what you consider to be a serious need in your life, because I don't believe that God looks at us and says, well, most people wouldn't consider that a big thing. So I don't either. But I think he deals with each of us within the context of our own souls. And so it doesn't matter what other people would think about it, but if you have something that you consider a serious need in your life, I want you to just lift up your hand right now, if you'd be so bold. But you've got a major need in your life. Hands all over the place. My hand is up, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time praying together right now. No one's going to lay hands on you, but this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to pray for your need, is by not praying for your need. Instead, I want you to tell God how magnificent he is. And I want you to tell God how holy he is. And I want you to tell God that you are so thankful for his death on the cross, for his resurrection, for his hand on your life. Because I believe, church, I believe that as we move towards him in order to know him, that it puts the needs in context. It puts them in their proper place. And I'm not saying don't pray for those. Go home today and pray for those needs. Go home and pray explicitly for those needs. Pray with your family, pray with your spouse, whatever. But here today, right now, I want you to pray for your need by glorifying him. To pray for your need by saying, you're set apart, you're different, I need you to shape me, I need you to change me. Not change that person who's bothering me, quit praying that prayer for once, but I need you to change me and make me more like you. Come on, let's just spend a few minutes, a few quiet moments in your seat. church. Would you just glorify God with me? Would you pray this with me? Father, we thank you for how wonderful you are. We thank you for how good you are. Lord, we choose, despite experience, despite recent hurts, to align our hearts with what the scriptures declare about you, that that is that you're good. Lord, you are good in my life. Lord, you are good in my marriage. You're good in my finances. You're good in my career. You're good in my parenting and in my children's lives. You're good, Lord, in my extended family. You're good, Lord, in the circle of influence that I have among the people who know you, among the people who don't know you. Lord, your heart towards me is good. And God, I ask that you'd shape me today. I ask that you'd change me and make me more like Jesus, that you'd help me to set my eyes on the things that are valuable and to turn my eyes, as the Bible says, from looking at worthless things. Lord, that you would help me to see what really matters. You'd help me to separate the gold from that which is cheap in life. Father, I ask that you'd make me more into the image of your Son, even as you said, early on in the Scriptures in the Garden of Eden, that He made man in His image after His likeness. Lord, that you would continue to push me, continue to push us down the road of becoming more like you, of chasing after your likeness, that we'd be people who share your image on this earth. Father, you're wonderful. You're the Prince of Peace. You fill our homes, you fill our lives, you fill our cars, you fill our jobs, you fill our classrooms, Lord, with your presence with your leadership, with your fathering, with your spirit, and Lord, we give you honor and praise for that today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I wanna just encourage you, yes, go home, pray for your needs, do it. But understand it's secondary. (laughs) And understand that there's a greater thing Paul said, I count everything as loss, everything. If you can find something that fits under the category of everything, Paul counted it as loss compared to knowing Jesus, compared to knowing him. That means all the answered prayers in the world were lost compared to knowing him. So I'm not here today to slap you on the wrist and say stop praying for your needs so much, but I'm here to say press in, to know someone, instead of focusing so much on getting something, and you might be surprised, in fact, I'll hazard to say, you will be surprised at the goodness of God in your life. Come on, come on. I just wanna leave us with a benediction today, and then just to remind you all, if you can help, many hands make light work. Join Jasper in the back to set up for the homeless shelter. May we be a people who view prayer primarily as a way to get some, to know someone rather than to get something. That's it. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. Come on. We love you so much, church. Thank you. If you need prayer, if you need to talk with somebody, come down to the front. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday.